Good day, everyone. Ahmed here. Welcome to another live stream. Uh, today, I'm very excited to have Clive Lloyd here with us to reflect on his fantastic book and number one bestseller, Next Generation Safety Leadership from Compliance to Care. Um, for those guys who don't know Clive, Clive is an Australian psychologist specializing in safety leadership and cultural development. He was recently named among the top 50 global thoughts leaders and influencers on cultures by Thinkers360. He's also a co-owner or principal consultant with GYST Consultant and uh, a developer of the acclaimed Care Factor program. Clive has spent the last 20 years, which is actually impressive to me, assisting organizations to improve their safety performance by developing trust and psychological safety and doing safety differently. Um, he has worked with global mining, oil and gas, construction, utilities companies across the globe, and he's devoted to applying cutting-edge psychological research to safety leadership and creating caring culture. Um, without any further ado, let's just get it started. day to you Clive again this is such a great pleasure to have you here with us um, I'm really happy to be here I thank you it's my pleasure it's my pleasure Clive reading your book twice and I guess I'm in my way for the third time already I saw that each chapter of the book leads you to a kind of summary of some qualities and characteristics that next generation safety leaders need to exhibit and that's kind of made me even more curious to know what is an ideal leader? What is an ideal safety leader for Clive Lloyd? Um, maybe I'm looking for what are the top qualities, you know, a characteristic that can form the ideal safety leader in your opinion? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, when you just asked that question, um, and you kind of asked it twice, the, the first time you said, what is a great leader? And then yeah. you added, what is a great safety leader? And yeah. look, for me, uh, you're kind of right the first time in that when I wrote the book, which, as you said, it's all about safety leadership. And mm -hmm. um, very frequently, um, many of people who've read the book, they say it's really just a, a book that would be good for leaders, not just safety leaders. And yeah. I think that's a good point in that many of the characteristics, many of the qualities I think make a good safety leader are actually just great leadership characteristics, mm -hmm. too. And so for me, um, naturally, depending what role you're in in safety, technical skills can be very important. So I don't wish to d diminish them in any way. But for me, the best leaders um, have, if you like, the non-technical skills as well. Um, mm -hmm. So they tend to have a lot of emotional intelligence. They tend to be really good at asking terrific questions rather than just telling people what to do, if you like. Um, they're, they're also able to help other people to find a sense of purpose in their work. Yeah. I think that's really, really uh, important. Also to help them see opportunities, to help the workforce see opportunities uh, and not just um, challenges and so forth. Um, if anything, to be more of a servant leader, if you like, than, than an authority figure. Uh, those oh. would be some of, of the key characteristics. There's one I've probably missed, though, above all, 
and that is to be a really good listener. Mm -hmm. So, so they need to be a good listener. You know, lead from a place without without no authority, and they need these non-cognitive skills that you name them. So, I'm thinking just looking at the current safety culture we are and the challenges that we are living in today. What is the need uh, to have a new generation of leaders with those qualities? Um, so I think, great question. I, I think partly it's how we educate our leaders, um, you know, what we let them know that leadership is about because historically leaders have, if you like, been taught that leadership mm. is about authority. Um, yeah. And look, there, there is always going to be an element of that because of um, just the, the, the nature of being in a leadership or a management role. But I think these days increasingly people are starting to realise that influence is the new authority. Uh, we need to be able to really positively influence our people, the culture. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of sort of partly through the education system when leaders go through and just within organisations themselves mm -hmm. is to just um, train people, educate people that what we don't want is you coming here with, you know, with the big stick um, mm -hmm. and being the authority figure. What we, what we want you to be able to do is to create a team that feels safe, that um, you know are, are, you, you are able to influence in helpful ways, not manipulate, but uh, but actually influence. And again, so much of that comes down to those people skills, that that emotional intelligence. And I just think historically we haven't been great at um, focusing on that, training on that, having that as part of the safety curriculum. Um, but I think the recognition is starting to be highlighted and I think we'll just keep getting better at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever we're, you know, discussing this sort of discussion with our leaders, they tend to ask what I need to do. <laughs> what are the steps that a leader needs to take to have these qualities? Yeah, it's another great question. And, and look, there's probably no no magic bullet, no simple response. Yeah. I think the best leaders I know are very self-aware. Um, okay. And that that isn't always an easy thing to do because that does involve getting some feedback, you know, often from our, our employees, often from colleagues that we trust to tell us the truth, as it were, and just mm. getting feedback in how do I come across? You know, when I'm uh, running a meeting, when I'm delivering a start of shift meeting or a toolbox talk, how mm. do I come across? I often found, because um, I had to learn these skills too, right? I, I, my background is clinical psychology. And when I was still studying, uh, we had to tape, videotape sessions between ourselves and the clients and then look back on them. And I used to look back on them with horror sometimes. You know, if only I'd asked that question then, I, you know, and maybe I thought I sounded a little bit harsh then when I made that comment. And so the more leaders themselves can, and look, it does take effort. It takes yeah. effort to ask for that feedback. It takes a lot of effort sometimes to listen to authentic feedback without getting defensive, for example. And so raising our self-awareness, getting lots of feedback is, is essential. It's a great place to start. The other quick tip I'd give would be to get really, really good at asking effective questions and just having a, a little rule in our own heads when I mm -hmm. feel like telling somebody how they should do something, to actually come up with a really good question instead. Like, 
What is it that you need to do your job well and safely? How can I help with that? As opposed to you should be doing it like this. There's a world of difference in that. So, look, uh, we could talk about that one all day long, but raising our own self-awareness is the key, usually through feedback. So you're saying that they need to learn how to do feedback and they need to use the powerful questions, becoming the right questions, and that takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to do that. Is that any other steps that you would name that leaders need to be you know, doing in order to get these qualities? Um, well, again, part of it, I think, is actually giving yourself as a leader the opportunity to do these things, and that does involve getting out there actually getting out in the field. And I know so many safety managers tell me these days they, they don't have time to get out there in the field and they're stuck there in the office and they're, they're doing audits and they're checking policies. And yeah. um, we, we don't often then get to practice being out in the field. And I, I think just get out there and, again, um, try. Just start trying to have these, I'd call them... Um, authentic conversations. Let your guard down a little bit. Uh, be prepared to be just a little bit vulnerable with your questions. If you don't know everything or the answers to a particular question, be vulnerable enough to, to say that. And I can get back to you when I have an answer. But above all, get out there and just start asking your crews lots of questions. Get really good at questions. That act alone will show your team that um, you're interested in what they have to say. The other one is practice active listening. That is yeah. when somebody is sharing information with you. Um, don't go checking your phone. Don't get distracted. Don't come in over the top of them. Just actually stop, really listen. And as you've been doing very well, Ahmed, when you've heard the answer, reflect on it and just check that you've understood it. I think these are some basic principles that leaders would do well to practice. Oh, that's amazing. So we're, we're basically talking about you know, get yourself there, try. So that's, I feel like you are telling me, you know, you just need to make that shift in the mindset. Is that correct? It is. It is a mindset shift from, you know, I'm a leader, therefore I have all this paperwork to do and I'll tell my people what to do to, again, that's almost that sort of safety one, safety two switch to my people are the problem to, mm. again, the safety differently Um safe or my people are the solution and if that is the case why would i not go and speak with them they have a lot of knowledge they're the experts in the jobs they do let me get out there and actually see what they think and um just that preparedness to drop the authority a little bit and actually raise the influence and raise the uh, listening and asking great questions instead you're right you, you just this thing that you just said is actually kind of touches me personally because i mean it, it was is it okay to share with you a little story? Yes. Um, okay. So is basically the term of, you know, getting ready to drop the authority and go there and seeing people as not the problem. Uh, is something that I personally touched when we um, first time was, you know, exposed to, to coaching world. And as a safety leader for many years, and I worked in the Middle East for a while, uh, I was just, uh, you know, depending on authority for everything. <laughs> And um, I was a kind of a person who once go to the site, I create a, a certain, uh, you know, atmosphere of fear because people are just want to avoid me catching them doing something wrong. Yeah. And uh, the first time I remember very well, because that kind of impacted me, that when I tried to change that attitude and like be 
know, more vulnerable in the way that I push people and start, you know, asking questions rather than just, you know, aiming to something, I start to have a complete different interaction, interaction that have smiles and have more talk <laughs> and tends to have more, you know, longer conversation with workers that I never thought that we could have that too. So spot on. Thank you very much for that. So yeah. we are talking about feedback, do that mind shift um, in seeing the people as the solution, not the problem, and active listening and using the right question. These are steps that leaders can do, you know, in order to start taking these qualities on. Thank you very much. Um, my next question was, you know, on the other side, in your opinion, what do today's organization need to do to cultivate these qualities in their leaders? Yeah, um, and look, uh, a, a very big topic at the moment is the one of psychological safety. I think most leaders now would have come across um, that concept. And look, it, it really is important that we, we start to actually get our leaders understanding, number one, what that actually is, uh, mm -hmm. why it's important, and then even beyond those, how do we do that? How do we create it? And if I can share a little story with you here, Ahmed, this, this just yeah. demonstrates the difference. There was uh, a company, uh, a global mining company, actually, um, and one of their, well, their group HR safety manager actually contacted me to see if I would do some webinars on psychological safety because it was National Safety Week. And I think, you know, they wanted to do some webinars for National Safety Week. And I said, of course, well, we do this a lot. So I, I started having a, a virtual conversation with this, this um, uh, safety leader. And as we were talking, she said, oh, well, as soon as you didn't say that, could you, could you couch your terms a bit more carefully for me? And I thought, well, um, tell me why. And she said, oh, it's just I think if my managers or my leaders hear that, they might feel a bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And and then it was um, I looked at the next session and all of a sudden she was wanting to really micromanage what mm -hmm. I could say and what I couldn't say. Now, think about that. What she's asking me to do is a webinar on psychological safety and yet saying, no, no, you can't say that. You can't bring it up. Otherwise, my managers will be upset. So I share that little story with you to, so that leaders actually get the difference to create trust, to create psychological safety. Managers will need to sometimes feel uncomfortable um, and sometimes to do so without leaping to defence or attack because you'll wreck psychological safety in that moment. Um, what we need to do is understand when our people feel safe that they can raise um, a near miss or an idea with management, mm -hmm. they know they will be heard without um, any sort of humiliation, without being ignored or without being punished. Now, they need evidence for that. They just they will not do that unless they have good evidence that their leaders are not going to react in those hostile ways, if you like. And so mm. what organisations need to get really clear about, and look, there, there's some skill sets in this. I, I don't expect yeah. every organisation or every leader to be able to do this right now. Um, but anybody can sort of, well, not anybody, but most people can learn the skills of how to communicate around this. Again, the types of questions to ask, how to actively listen without naturally going into defence mode. And I, I think... What, what organisations or what leaders have got to do is move away from this tick-in-the-box approach in that mm -hmm. we did a webinar on psychological safety. Nobody got too offended, so we're done now. 
All right, we've ticked mm -hmm. that box and it's, this is not one thing you do. It's not a quick training thing. It is an ongoing uh, leadership. Again, you use the word mindset. It is an ongoing mindset that leaders have that we welcome bad news. Not just bad news, but good news and ideas as well. This is where innovation comes from. Um, no organisations can be innovative if their people are too afraid um, to, <laughs> to share ideas. I met a, a leader recently. He was uh, saying he's very approachable because he has an open door policy. And I, I did comment that, you know, an open door policy means nothing if people are too afraid to walk through it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you said something around everyone can learn it. And that just reminds me of this learning, unlearning um, idea. And I just want to hear you out saying, what is your opinion on people saying, okay, now we already have our own ways, you know, we have been fine for years and you know, this is not the time to add more. Uh, what you are mm. telling us, it sounds like not effective enough. And I'm keep telling, you know, it's learnable. So what, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. And look, humans are naturally um, averse to, to change. Yeah. Um, especially if things seem to have been okay for, for some time. I do understand that. Um, what I, I do like to make the point, and I hope I made it in the later chapters in the book, uh, when we talk about doing safety, safety in different ways and so forth, it's not that you have to throw everything out. Uh, much of what you will do, you will continue to do. Um, safety leaders have to do some things, you know. Uh, we'll still have to do those audits and investigations or whatever the language we use. All I'm suggesting is we might just change a little bit in terms of just Rather than doing it to our people, we do it with our people. We bring them in more. Um, we ask more rather than tell. Um, and in fact, I would suggest our job as leaders can become much easier um, in that we don't have to take responsibility for everything. Um, we actually share that responsibility. We create a shared responsibility with our crews. We don't have the answers to everything and we never will. We probably never should. Um, but collectively, ourselves and our teams, when our teams know, by the way, they really get a lot out of this in that they feel heard. They get a say in how work is done. That lifts their perception of having control over their work, control over their safety. And when people have that, they're, they're always going to do a better, a safer job. So it, it is not throwing everything out and starting again. Far from it. It is really about you will continue to do mostly what you do now, but you'll do it with your crews, not to your crews. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much agree on what you're saying because um, my, my personal opinion is that we don't need to scrap all this methodology that we've been using, but no. I think that we need to tweak it in a way that we don't send the wrong messages using that. Like, yeah. for example, yeah. using the you know the stick and carrot style and always directed to bring people to comply, right? Uh, rather than just to motivate. Um, so that sends send always the wrong message and make people feel, you know, living in this bubble that my job here is to make this guy happy. <laughs> so uh, I'm really curious to know if if Clive is a leader of, you know, an organization that looking up to, you know, create the atmosphere of trust that you were speaking about uh, just the last minute, what is the three steps you will take to start moving this organization to that atmosphere of trust that you talk about? Yeah, another great question. And look, for me, 
and to be fair, I think organisations and their leaders, they need um, they need the case to be made why. Um, organisations are busy, leaders are busy. And why would you bother trying to do something even if it's going to take a lot of time and effort? And, and does it do any good anyway? And so when I am working with organisations, um, I'm aware of that. And I do like to spend an hour or so with senior leaders, often the board or the executives first, saying this is why. And the why is quite simple, Ahmed. The biggest predictor of, um, if you like, mature safety climates mm -hmm. is trust. The yeah. biggest predictor of high-performing teams is psychological safety. And if you like, think of psychological safety as essentially trust but experienced at the team level. So we're not doing this stuff because it's nice or it's trendy or we're doing this because the evidence is absolutely clear. Uh, and what we know is where you have high trust in teams, they will speak up. They will report near misses. You will find more hazards. You will be able to manage more hazards. So the why becomes very clear. But again, we need to provide them with that. Then I think the tricky bit for, for organisations is, all right, I now get the case for change. I understand that. How do we do it? Can we do it? Can you, um, you know, can you make leaders operate in these ways? Well, my short response is you can't make anybody do anything. People ultimately have free will. Uh, I love the stick and carrot you, you said earlier, Ahmed. Um, if leadership was really that simple, all a leader would need is a big stick and a bag of carrots, right? It's, yeah. It is not that simple. But again, yeah. once we understand that um, the case for change is there, then the how. I did yeah. mention anybody or, if you like, almost anybody can learn the skills required to create trust in their team. Now, I will say, when I say almost anybody, there are some personality characteristics involved here too. Um, and that is some people just um, have a, an entrenched belief that the way you lead people is with the big stick. Yeah. And so that's more of a personality, but it's learning and learning can be unlearned. And I think much of the work we do is helping leaders to unlearn some of that stuff. Um, yeah. Most of them have a goal. They, they want their crews to be safe. Almost every leader I've ever met, I believe, fundamentally wants their people to be okay. And once they know that operating, thinking and, and acting in particular ways with their crews can do that. It can build trust. So, yeah, we always start with a case for change. Once we're clear about that, then it's the how. And, you know, that does take a little longer. But my belief is that um, you know, even where people are quite hardened in their beliefs about what leadership is, we can unlearn and we can actually then develop the very skills required to create that level of trust. That's very interesting. So the organization needs to show that the why. I mean, they need to be a goal-driven and then they need to show their leaders how they're going to do that. And you're basically speaking about the learning and unlearning. Um, I can't stop myself asking that question, even if it's not on my list. <laughs> Just, you have to forgive me. <laughs> I attended one of your interviews and, and you spoke about the parent language and the other language. I would love to hear more about this from you, if you would may. Yeah, look, it's, it's a fascinating area. And really, it harks back to my clinical training. Because um, in my clinical training, I was often working with families. And 
there's there's nothing quite like we call this by the way transactional analysis that's the psychological jargon if you like in other words analyzing the transactions between two people or two groups of people if you like and what we learn in in clinical psychology is sometimes in some families um, you have some people in in literally the parent role and sometimes the parenting involves getting the pointy finger out and telling the children what they should do and they must do and things like that. So you know, that's, that's often what happens in families. Now, that happens in organisations too. And often what happens when leaders go into what we would call their parent ego state, they mm -hmm. come out with the pointy finger or the big stick or the threat. And it's, of course, to use the um, that language, um, our children are the problem or our workers are the problem. Now, when leaders operate in that way, the workforce almost have no choice psychologically. They will tend to reflect that by going into what I'd call their child ego state. Mm -hmm. And so if they think they're in trouble from the parent, either they'll just be quiet to avoid getting in trouble. Uh, they'll start keeping secrets from management as little ones can do with mum and dad if they think they're in trouble. Um, and so, of course, what we need to do is to get away from what I call this parent-child racket. It's a racket. And we need to get back to adult-to-adult -adult communication. And that is, um, I, I no longer have the fear because you have no need to put me down and make me the problem. Therefore, I feel much more able to authentically express what's going on for me. I don't need to keep secrets anymore because I've got to tell you, Ahmed, at work, we can't fix a secret. Right. If we don't hear about something, we can't fix it. And if, if the workforce are keeping secrets from us, frankly, because they're scared to, to share it, we can't learn. Uh, and, you know, you can blame or you can learn. You don't get to do both. Um, and when it comes to safety, we really need to learn. So that's what I mean in the book by looking for these parent-child interactions and then doing what we can do to go adult, adult. I heard something that's just trying to connect as someone was saying that this little Johnny, he never learned how to walk while people are shouting and he actually was clapping for him and creating the right atmosphere of motivation, the balance between demand and empowerment and giving such a challenge like walking a few steps ahead and putting a toy in front of him and asking to get it. So that's the challenge. And he yeah. will just never walk if you tell him walk, you know. So you basically no. have to create the challenge. You need to create the environment of trust, trusting him that he will try and then allow him so he can grow. So absolutely spot on. I think what you did there, Ahmed, um, sorry to interrupt my friend, but I think what you did there was beautifully uh, and simply illustrate the difference between telling and coaching. And to me, leaders would do well rather than just to be tellers and authority figures to actually be coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I have been um, in two situations was in the beginning of my career, I worked with someone who never listened to me. And it was always instructions. And I work now with someone who's actually listened to me. I'm always talking and I don't know if he is Gabe Bazard, but most probably I feel joy. And whenever I have meeting with him, I'm, I'm going to the meeting with a smile. So because I know that you listen to me and I know that this is a place for me to shine and grow. So I definitely personally appreciate that. Unfortunately, it's my last question. Okay. <laughs> if, if you would, if you would give a single piece of advice for today's organization, let's break maybe this is in two and the current generation of safety leaders, what would that be? Limited to one piece of advice, hey? 
Um, all right. So for the uh, <laughs> for the organisation, let me think. For the organisation itself, it would be um, don't fear um, what your people have to say. Don't fear bad news. So let me maybe frame that in a more positive way. Okay. Um, again, harking back to that people are the solution. Um, we have to, as leaders, make it safe to share bad news. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to some wonderful things, including being safer, being healthier, and innovation and change. Um, so we, we often historically, I think leaders do, do fear bad news. Um, you know, they, they've got maybe their own bonuses, their own KPIs to hit. And the last thing I need is somebody coming to me and saying, oh, you know what, this isn't going very well at all. Well, that's not sustainable. That's short-term thinking. Uh, if you want the, the growth, the innovation, the safety to really um, gain momentum, we absolutely need uh, an organisational mindset that makes it safe to share not just bad news, but really good news too, really innovative news. So organisations, don't fear your people's news. They have wonderful things to say. Help them to say it. Uh, with leaders, again, if I was um, just one bit of advice, it would all right. It would be simply this: um, from today onwards, as best you can, do less telling and more listening. Amazing. More less asking, telling, more yeah. listening, and more asking. Um, Clive, I, I, I personally can't describe the amount of joy and pleasure I had for this few minutes. Many thanks for the insightful discussion, and I'm quite sure um, our followers and viewers will appreciate this as well. So, I'm just uh, nothing else to just hoping that we can get the chance to have you one more time here in the Interdependent Leadership Channel. So, uh, thank you, and I wish you a great day ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great questions. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this video, then let's know in the comment section what is your takeaway and maybe give us a like or share. And if you are new here, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell to get our weekly updates. Thank you and see you next time.